Job chapter 36. Job and chapter number 36 as we continue on uh, working our way through the book of Job. Job chapter 36. We're actually going to be in Job 36 and Job 37, but I'm just going to read a little bit out of Job 36, and I'm going to ask you just to leave your Bible open there, and we'll make our way on through this without reading both chapters. Hopefully you have read the book of Job, or you're kind of keeping up and reading through this again. There's a lot of good stuff in this book, no doubt about that. And so so uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, you have have been reading ahead and uh, kind of keeping up with this, and, and uh, God has given you some help through it all. Job chapter 36, verse number 1, Elihu also proceeded and said, Suffer me a little, and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and, I will, and will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my word shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. <clears throat> I titled the message tonight, My God is so big. But I couldn't stop there. Because, I mean, from years ago in, uh, in teaching children's church, I couldn't stop. I was like, my God is so big. So strong and so mighty. Okay, none of y'all remember that song but me. That's it right there, Brother Dave. Thanks for the help. And that's, that's the title. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing that my God can't do. You know, that's, that's not just a cute little song to teach your child. That's a real good principle to teach your child. Because if we had that kind of faith for all of our life, Brother Lopez, I'm telling you, we would do well, wouldn't we? Absolutely so. Yep. So let's pray, and we'll try to get through this tonight. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for everyone that's here. We're thankful for the good spirit. We're thankful that you love us the way that you do. We're thankful that you love us more than we love you. That's hard, but I know it's true. And so, Lord, we pray tonight, even as we go through this message, that you'd help us to love you that much more. You've done so much for us. So much. Even if all you ever did was just save our soul that we don't have to spend eternity in hell. Lord, that's so much more than we deserve, but you've done so much more than that. Lord, help us tonight. Illuminate your word by your precious spirit. Help me to stay on track, please. As I open my mouth, you fill it, Lord. I don't want to just preach an outline. I pray, Lord, it would be a message. Father, just, just, just meet with us is our prayer we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. <clears throat> okay, here we are in the book of Job. And you know the book of Job doesn't take long to read it. You know, Job was a good guy, and then all of a sudden the devil attacked him, and then he lost everything he had. And he had three friends that weren't really friends. They really dogged on him real hard. And then this other young guy came up and gave him some good advice. And then God showed up and spoke. And then he got twice back what he had lost. And that's the book of Job. That's pretty much the way we see it. No, no, I mean, really. I mean, when you think about the book of Job, in a nutshell, that's pretty much the way we see it. But there's a lot of stuff that happens 
between chapter 1 and chapter 42. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that happens. And uh, all the while that uh, Elihu has been speaking now, uh, this young man, Job has not said a word. He's not said a word. And uh, all I can think is very apparently Job doesn't feel as though he's being confronted by Elihu. Uh, I mean, he hadn't attacked Job's character. He hasn't questioned his honesty. Really, he has Elihu's been working on, on restoring Job's faith in God, which is the second reason that Job has remained silent all through this. I mean, he's helped Job to take his eyes off the circumstances in his life and put them back on God. And with, uh, with insightful thought and with wisdom, he has shared with Job the character and the nature of God and Job knows, Job knows that what he has said is true. I mean, he knows it. Come on, he was a man, he was a man, if I can say it this way, I know the Bible doesn't say it this way, but he was a man after God's own heart. I mean, he was, he was the Lord himself said he was upright, that he eschewed evil. No, 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 I mean, he was a man that practiced what God wanted him to practice. And all these things that Elihu has brought up here, um, Job knows that it's true. And here as Elihu finishes up what he has to say, he makes it clear to Job the greatness of God. In chapter number 38, when we get there, God himself is going to show up. But, but right now, Elihu desires for Job to see that God is bigger than all of his problems no matter how big his problems may have been. And they were big, weren't they? Come on, he lost, he lost everything he had. He lost, his, he lost his children. He lost all of his earthly goods. He lost his health. His, his wife was ready for him to just curse God and die. I mean, he... No, it's been big. I'm not taking anything away from it. I can't even imagine going through what he has gone through. His problems are big. But really, I mean, Elihu, he wants Job to see that, look, look, Job, no matter what you've gone through here, we've got a big God. And, and Job, there's really no need for you to question what God has been doing in your life. No, 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 no. Job just needed to keep trusting God. He needed to keep trusting God. So Elihu's been doing good here because he hadn't blasted him like those other three friends blasted him, you know. He's just trying to encourage him to get back to that place of trusting God the way that he once did. And he lays out the terms of faith. And he talks about a faith that rests in God's word. Verse number two there uh, says, Suffer me a little, and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. You notice that's a capital M on that maker. And so he's talking about God himself. And Elihu reaffirms that he's speaking on behalf of God. He wasn't just giving Job his view of things that were going on. He was giving Job God's view of things. And we saw where the other friends reinforced their arguments when they were arguing with him. They reinforced their arguments with their experiences. I mean, what they thought, how things should be, how God should work. But Elihu upholds his arguments on what God was saying through him. God was using this young man to prepare, to prepare Job for, for God to show up on the scene. Now we know this, he did not have the written word of God. But what he says, what he says aligns with what we find in the Bible today. 
No, no, as we read what he says, it does, none of it goes against what we see in our Bible today. It's not like, it's not like oh, well, he made a mistake there. No, 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 it, it aligns perfectly. And so we know that God was using this man, Elihu. I mean, before he had a Bible, Elihu was committed to telling Job only those things which God was saying through him. He just wanted to give Job what God had given him to give Job. And so he encourages Job to rest his faith in God's word. That's a great thing to do. In fact, it seems like the past several weeks, that's kind of been the theme around here. To just put your faith in God's word. Several years ago, there was this naturally, uh, nationally, naturally known, this nationally known pastor that caused quite a stir. When he said that Christians need to stop basing their faith on the Bible. That's what he said. And in the sermon that he was preaching at the time, he quoted that familiar uh, uh, refrain, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Then he said, that's where the trouble begins. He then spent 45 minutes trying to convince the congregation that Christians need to stop basing their faith in the Bible as though the Bible were the only reason for what we believe. I've been a hard sermon to set through, Brother Terry, I guarantee you. Let me tell you, uh, he didn't reach that conclusion from the Bible at all. No, no, no. The Bible not only encourages us to believe everything that's written within the pages, but it tells us that it is the sole foundation of our faith. Romans 10.10, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 89, O Lord, thy, uh, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then we have Hebrews 4, 12. That's an amazing verse, truly, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner in the thoughts of the intents of the heart. Look, if we don't look to the Bible for, uh, if we don't look to the Bible as the foundation of our faith, what are we going to rest it upon? I mean, what? Science? Scholarship? Personal experience? Boy, that's just going to have its way out there. It's crazy. So we need a faith that rests on God's character. There in verse 3, I really like it. He said, I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. To my maker. Looking unto God. We know that God is righteous. And uh, that God is righteous means that God always is and always does what is right. Always. Always has. Always will. If God is righteous, then whether we understand what God is doing or not, come on, stay with me here. If God is righteous, whether we understand what he's doing or not, we need to accept that he is working and that he is right. Well, whether we understand it or not, whether we can see the end or not, whether we know what he's trying to do or not. Job didn't know what he's trying to do. He had no idea. And really, I mean, by the time we get to the end of the book, it's still like Job didn't know why all this happened. I, I'm, I'm thinking, and I don't know that for sure, I can't say it dogmatically, but it was probably when he got to heaven that he got the whole story about this thing. 
But he did keep trusting God. Always had his hard times, no doubt, but he did keep trusting God. So Elihu is again challenging Job with the truth that he can he can't believe he can't believe in a righteous God and a God who makes mistakes at the same time. Come on, this is a good point. You can't believe in a righteous God and a God that makes mistakes at the same time. No, 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 you're going to be stuck between something all the time. You know, I mean, one day trusting God and the next day and questioning God. It's going to keep you in a quandary. You're going to have a hard time to have, to have having that peace that passes understanding. You're going to have a hard time getting all the blessing that God wants to give you. If God is righteous, everything he does is right. And if God errs, then he's not God. Because God makes no mistakes. None whatsoever. So Elihu's uh, introductory words are calling Job back to a life of faith in God. He wants Job just to trust God again. And he wants him to do that because God is a mighty God. I mean, mighty God. God exercises his power with wisdom. Verse number five there. It says, behold, God is mighty. And despiseth not any. He is, he is mighty in strength and wisdom. So we know this. It's a very simple point. But a mighty God has great power. A mighty God is someone to be reckoned with, if you will. And although God has great power, verse number 5, he still, does not, he still does not despise anyone. Come on, he so loves the people of the world. He loved them so much that he sent his only begotten son to pay their sin debt. So we have a mighty God that loves the people of this world. And because God is mighty in wisdom as well as in strength, he always does the right thing in the best way possible. I mean, he's a mighty God and he's a wise God. And so he can do whatever he wants to do. But whatever decision he makes, because he is a wise God, he is doing the right thing. That means we can always trust him. Well, preacher, I I just don't feel like I can always trust God. You need to get over that. No, I'm not trying to be ugly or funny. I'm I'm telling you, if we've trusted God for our salvation, I mean, we truly believe that we have had our sins forgiven. We truly believe that when we leave this life that we're going to go and live in a real place called heaven because there is a real place called heaven. If we truly believe that we can pray and ask God to meet our needs, uh, but but we, we cannot trust Him when those hard times come, we need to get over that. Well, preacher, that's easier said than done. I understand that, but if you're not working at it at all, you're not going to get past it at all. And so when hard times come, it's a, real good, it's a real good thing to get down on your face and begin to ask God and confirm with God, God, I know you're there and I know you're working and I don't understand what you're doing, but I want to trust you through all of this. And so I need that peace that passes understanding and I need grace to make it through this time. And I don't want to start looking at my circumstances more than I'm looking at you. Come on, this is, this is a time that we pray and we ask God to do what only God can do because there's so many things in my life and there's so many things in your life and there's so many things in this world that only God can do. But we don't know without faith it's impossible to please Him. And so when those times come that we don't really understand, or hard times come or, 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 or terrible times come, then uh, it's those times that we practice our faith. It's those times that we affirm our trust in God and we tell Him, Lord, I, I, I'm trusting You. Uh, Lord, I, I have faith, but I need, I need more faith. I need You to help me through this. I'm telling you, I, I, God wants us to trust Him. 
contrary to what Job has implied back when he was talking, God does not use the power that he has to be heavy-handed over the human race. What do you mean, preacher? I'm saying that God never abuses his power. I'm saying that God never uses it in a selfish or hurtful way. The things that God does are always guided by his wisdom. Always. Sometimes we act like, please look up here. Sometimes we act like that God doesn't know how it's going to turn out. God always knows how it's going to turn out. And how it turns out truly is dependent, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it's dependent on how we act or react about it. We play a part in this. And he exercises his power with justice. The wicked will not escape God's justice. Verse number six there. He preserveth not the life uh, of the wicked, but giveth right to the poor. So so the wicked are not going to escape God's justice. And the poor are not denied God's justice, according to verse number six. And also according to verse number 15. He delivereth the poor in his affliction. And so, 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 so God is a good God. The powers of government, please get this, because we, I'm telling you, that the, the, the times that we're living in right now are, are trying times. I understand that. But I'm here to tell you the powers of government are not exempt from God's justice. He knows everything that's going on in the White House and up in Washington, D.C. and all the governments around the whole country. He knows all about that. And God is going to eventually take care of all the injustice that is unjust injustices that are going on in America right now. He will take care of that. If God establishes them, then they cannot be overthrown. Verse number 7, he withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but with kings are they on the throne. Yea, he doth establish them forever, and they are exalted. And so, I mean, if God establishes them, I mean, they're not going to be overthrown. But if God punishes them, then, then, then they are not treated with any special favor. Verse number 8, and if they, be found in, if they be bound in fetters and be holden in cords of affliction, he holds them accountable for their sin. Verse number 9, no, it goes right on. Then he showeth them their work and their transgressions that they have exceeded. He holds them accountable. They're not going to get by with it. No matter how it looks right now. I don't care how many millions of dollars that they happen to get, however they happen to get it. I'm telling you, God will take care of all of that one of these days. We have to trust Him. We have to trust Him. And, and God, I, no, no, he's, it's just God's always the same. And He expects, He expects them to forsake their sins and to live in obedience to his ways. He expects that. Just like he expects. No, no. Look at verse number 10. Um, he openeth also their ear to discipline. And commandeth that they return from iniquity. He's still talking about the same group. If they obey and serve him. They shall spend their days in prosperity. And their years in pleasure. Verse 12. But if they obey not. They shall perish by the sword. And they shall die without knowledge. Now our God is the same all the way across the board. Are y'all following me this at all? I'm telling you, our God is the same all the way across the board. And we're saved by the grace of God. And so we have a Heavenly Father we can go to and we confess our sin. He, he forgives us our sin, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we follow His way, we can be prosperous, right? Come on, even in our Christianity, we can be prosperous. If we're not prosperous, then we have to pay for I mean, if we're not obedient, then we have to pay for that, don't we? 
just the way it is. But it's the same way. It's the same way. No, he expects the wicked. He expects that out of the wicked. He knows they, they, they don't know him. And what it's saying here is that they will face him one of these days. And a lot of them, it's, it's going to be at the great white throne judgment when they're judged for every sin they've ever committed and then cast into the lake of fire forever. So, I mean, it's not like they're getting by with anything. God is God. Those who repent, their sins are going to be forgiven. They're going to be blessed. And those who continue in their sins are going to die in their sins. It's just the way that it is. And they're not hiding anything. No, he goes on to talk about it. How hypocrites cannot conceal their sins from God's justice. Verse number 13. Uh, But the hypocrite in heart heap up wrath. They cry not when he bindeth them. They die in youth and their life is among the unclean. So there are hypocrites that, that resent God's justice. He says there they heap up wrath against God. And they refuse to cry out for mercy when God binds them over their judgment. And some hypocrites die young, some die in disgrace. But I guarantee you they all will answer to God for their ways. All of them. All of them. Because see, God's power, please get this. God's power is not something to be taken lightly. He really is all-powerful. In verses 16 through 24, and we're not going to read every one of those verses, but in verses 16 through 24, Elihu applies these truths directly to Job. Because he's dealing with Job. He's trying to help Job. And he tells Job that God can exercise his power to restore him or to discipline him. And the one, come on, stay with me here. And the one who will decide what God's going to do is Job. No, no, no. God God has the power to restore Job or to discipline Job. And the one that's going to decide exactly what's going to happen in all this will be, well, Job. And God's desire was to restore Job uh, there in verse number uh, 16. Even so, even, so he, uh, even so would he have removed thee out of the strait into the broad place where there is no straightness and that which should be set on the table uh, should be full of fatness. And God had the power to do that, of course. You, you know, Job's, Job's denial of God's justice had angered God and it had exposed Job, uh, I suppose Job, Exposed Job to God's justice. Look at verse 17. But thou, but thou hast fulfilled the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of, on thee. Because there is wrath, but, uh, wrath. Come on, mouth. Beware lest he take thee away with his stroke. Then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. Will, will he esteem Thy riches? No, not gold, nor all the forces of strength. Desire not the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, regard not iniquity, for this has thou chosen rather than affliction. So Job was guilty of passing the same judgment on God. Stay stay with me. The same judgment on God as wicked people do. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, accusing God of not being fair. 
Well, come on, you've heard it. Whether it's tragedy with a, a loved one or whatever the case may be, those ones that would blurt out, well, God's just not fair. And if we're not careful, we'll catch ourselves believing like that. And Job had done that. This isn't fair. I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I was sacrificing even for my children. I was doing all these things. But as he had that, as he had that mentality, really Job should have been looking over his shoulder, concerned that at any moment God's justice was going to catch up to him. Come on. It, it, It never pays to get upset with God. Do you understand? Come on, come on, look up here. God God doesn't do bad things to you because because He doesn't like you. God's got a plan from the beginning all the way to the end. He's got a plan. Nothing catches Him by surprise. He knows what's going to happen. He knows how it's going to happen. And He dictates how we are supposed to react to that in our trust to Him. Because the first and great commandment is that we're to love Him with all of our heart. And if we really love Him the way that we're supposed to love Him, then we're going to trust Him. And if we're going to trust Him in the way that we really should trust Him and love Him, then we are going to to lean on Him when these things happen and not shake our fist at Him. Come on, come on. We hear it all the time and we believe it. You know, being a Christian isn't just a Sunday and Wednesday thing. It's 24-7 thing. It is. So we need to practice this type of Christianity 24-7. No, no, that we love and trust God enough that no matter what happens in our life, no, no, even though the weakness of our flesh, I understand. I'm not trying to stand up here and act like I'm super spiritual about anything. I know the weakness, but, but we, we need to have the mindset and we need to be so close to God, loving Him that way. Not only Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday too. We, we need to be trying to love Him like that so much that we can trust Him no matter what happens along the way. And yes, there might be sorrow, and yes, there might be tears, and yes, there might be long nights, and yes, there, no, no, all these things could happen, but we can trust God. Well, I'm telling you, preacher, I've just prayed and 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 prayed about this situation. It just does not seem like God is doing anything. Can I tell you, God is doing something. It's just a very good possibility that whoever you're praying for or whatever the situation is, that they are the ones that are fighting against God. Come on, don't make me back up. Look, we decide. Job's going to decide whether he's going to, whether he's going to continue to go through what he's going through or whether God's going to restore him. And it's the very same way with each one of us as individuals. We have a free will. So we are, we are praying for someone and we want things to happen. We want God to do this. And then we want to act like God's not even trying to do this. No, I'm telling you, God, no, no. Prayer moves God. It moves God. And so then he deals in situations. Do you understand what I'm saying? He deals. Well, preacher, I just wish that he would make this. I know men, there's, you don't even know how many times I've thought that. Absolutely. But what God does, he deals in a situation with people who have their own free will. And then they are either moved to do what God wants them to do or they're not. But God's not going to force them. So our trust is in God. It's not in the people. It's in God. 
And when we're trusting Him that way, and we know that He loves us to that extent, and that He wants the best for everybody, then no matter what is happening, and what it looks like might be happening, we can still trust Him. And we can still love Him. We can still depend upon Him. And we can still go to Him day after day, and week after week, and month after month, and sometimes even year after year, when things are happening, and we're not seeing anything, any movement as our prayer goes up each and every day. We can still trust Him. We can still love him the way we're supposed to because I'm telling you God is faithful we're not always faithful but God is faithful and he is working and it might be it might be that it won't work out exactly the way that we're praying that it will work out but that is not God's fault man we have to trust him he loves us as I was praying tonight, then I prayed it again while I was down there. And I, and I thanked God. I mean, it came out first thing, God, I, God, I, God, I thank you for loving me the way that you do, because I know he does. I, can't, I don't understand it, but, but I know that he does. And then it just came out of my mouth. I, I'm thankful that you love me more and I love you. I know I don't love him the way I should. I want to. I desire to. But I know this for a fact, Brother Andrew. He loves us. More than we could ever even fathom. More than we can even begin to understand. And he's there working on our behalf. Because he's trying to get us to that place of being like his son. So Job had a choice to continue to resent the way that God used his power or he was going to humble himself before God and repent of those sinful thoughts he was holding against God. God could use his power to exalt Job, to teach Job, to correct Job. And Job was the one who was going to have to determine which it was going to be. Those words in verse number 21, take heed, regard not thine iniquity. Those words, take heed, was Elihu's way of telling Job to choose wisely. Come on, Job, choose wisely. God's trying to do something here. You need to make the right choice. And really, no matter what happens in your life or my life, no matter what happens, God is great. And God is glorious. Without a doubt. At the beginning of his final speech, Elihu reminded Job that uh, God is our maker. That's found over in uh, uh, chapter 36, verse number 3. God, God is our maker right there. Uh, uh, the righteousness to my maker. He's a creator. He made us. He made us. He made the world in which we live. And, and in the final section, Elihu reminds Job of how God's power is clearly seen in the world which he has created. God's greatness is not hidden from man. Come on, say with me. God's greatness is not hidden from man. Romans 1.20 says, for, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are so that they are without excuse. 
It really is true that all that anyone has to do is open their eyes to see the evidence of God's greatness. I mean, it's all around us. It's everywhere. We take it for granted. I mean, we really take it for granted. What are you talking about, God's greatness? Oh, trees. Grass. Flowers. Birds. Bugs. Everybody loves bugs. The sun, the moon, the stars. It's literally all around us. God made all that stuff. That didn't just happen. Mercy, don't let that stuff creep into your head. God made all that stuff. Wonder of wonders. I'm telling you, man, we we need to teach our children. And at the same time, we need to recognize that what we see is really beyond human comprehension. What, What do you mean, preacher? Look, when we learn... When we have learned all there is to learn about God from nature, we will still have to confess we know Him not. No, no, there in verse number 26. Behold, God is great, and we know Him not. Neither can the number of His years be searched out. Now, God's not saying, I mean, uh, Elihu's not saying that God is unknowable. No, 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 no. He's saying that our God is too great for anyone to fully understand. Okay. Then, then let's get some stuff out of my feeble little brain then, okay? Because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I can be amazed looking at a flower. I, I can be amazed looking at birds. H- have you ever taken in, I mean... I mean, have you ever gotten a book and just looked at birds? You, you can't tell me that God didn't create those for His pleasure. Come on, the, the, the brilliance, of the colors. There's, there's, there's no one that can do stuff like that. There's no artist like God is. Some of the sea creatures... Brother Chris, they're down in the bottom of the sea. Man, I'm telling you, I, it just amazes me. I, I know, I know, I, don't, I know, I know. I'm just a simple fellow, but that stuff amazes me because I realize God made that. And I see it and I think, man, God's got a sense of humor for sure. Because some of that is, is just, man, it is something. I'm thankful we can know God, but we'll never fully understand God. And this thing people say, well, I can't wait till I get, get to heaven. I'll know everything God knows. Uh, no, you won't. Okay, sorry to bust your bubble. But there's only one God and you ain't Him. I think we'll be ever learning is what I think. I really do. Oh, don't get despondent. It won't be like sitting in class every day. <laughs> like, ever learning. 
What a great God. Oh, it goes on to talk about how God controls the weather. It's God that controls the weather. Uh, you know, and it's really an amazing thing. He can use the weather. He can use the weather to judge nations. Don't know whether it be with hurricanes, tsunamis, famines, whatever he may choose to do. You know, God doesn't need an atom bomb to destroy the world. He just can use water. But get this, he designed, the, he designed the weather to water our fields and give us meat in abundance. Talks about that in verse 30, 31. <laughs> All this rain that's happening now, it's going to bring up some watermelon, some cantaloupe, some peaches, some apples. Mercy. It's going to bring up green grass so the cows can eat it so we can eat them. Man, I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. And it's all about him. Come on, how can a brown cow eat green grass to have white milk? Do you tell me? Only God can do stuff like that. You know, science cannot explain how the forces of nature work. Or, or they, they can to an, ex, an extent, I guess. But, but really, there's, a, there's not a scientist that can create the weather he wants. No, no, no. He, they can't control the weather to do what they want it to do. But God can. No, I'm here to tell you, they can try to control global warming all that they want to, but this world one day is going to burn up with fervent heat. There's going to be a global warming one of these days. God controls all the seasons. It snows in the winter, sending animals into hibernation because God had commanded it to be that way. It's found in verses 6 through 8. Told you I'm not going to read all of it. You need to read it. It's, it's awesome. It really is great. The warm air that sets the stage for tornadoes comes out of the south. The cold air brings in the winter frost. It comes out of the north because God created our world to operate that way. God did all that. None of that. No, no, it's not happenstance. This didn't just happen. God created it that way. And God has the ability to use all of it to show justice or mercy. God's greatness is a witness to His glory. Nobody can fully explain God's works. Oh, okay. Look at verse number 14 in chapter 37, sorry. Uh, yes, verse 14. Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Does thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his, his cloud to shine? Does thou know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? How thy garments are warm when he quieteth the earth by the south wind. <laughs> Nobody can fully explain all that. Only God can do those things. And nobody can control it either. On down uh, verse number 18. Has thou with him spread out the sky, which is strong as molten uh, looking glass? Teach us what we shall say unto him. 
For we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. Shall it be told him that I speak? If a man speaks, surely he shall be swallowed up. We can't control God's works. And no man can measure up to the glory revealed by God's works. It keeps going. Verse 21. And now men see not the bright light which is in the clouds, but the wind passeth and cleanseth them. Fair weather cometh out of the north with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find Him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. Job, He will not afflict. And in light of such truths, get this, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm right at done. I mean, I'm right there. No, I'm not lying this time. I'm right there, right there. In, in light of truths like that, just things that we have seen, the things that Elihu was telling Job, in light of things like that, men ought to fear God. I was really hoping for an amen or two right there. We ought to fear God. He not only makes trees grow, He keeps your heart beating We should not only fear Him, but we should surrender to His superior wisdom and to His ways. Lord, I don't, under, I don't always understand what You're doing in my life, like right now in my life. I don't always understand. Why am I all these weeks without my wife? Why is she not here to minister to the ladies of the church? I don't always understand what God's doing, but I know I can trust Him. And I know I've got to continue to seek Him if I'm going to find His way. If I, if I want His way done in whatever the case may be. I don't always understand Him. But I know that I can trust Him. Just keep working at it. Elihu had... Uh, provided a very powerful answer to one of the most important questions that this book is meant to answer. No, really. One of the most, an answer to one of the most important questions that the book of Job was meant to answer. Well, preacher, what question is that? What kind of world do we live in? He gives an answer. Here's the answer that it gives. We live in a world that is created by God and corrupted by sin. That's the world we live in. But it still answers to God. No, this world still answers to God. And, and, and a God big enough and wise enough to create this very complex yet wonderful world can definitely be trusted to watch over this world in righteousness while directing it with both mercy and justice. That's our God. That's Him. So in the final, uh, final analysis of all of this, we are called upon to believe God's word, to have faith in God's character, 
and to fully entrust our lives to a God who is big enough to handle whatever He may allow into our lives. He's big enough to do that. (laughs) My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that my God can't do. That's not just a good little chorus. That's a great, great truth. We need to be trying to live by it every day. So let me ask you a question, and this is the invitation. Is that the way you see Him right now? I'm not asking you to answer me. I'm asking you to think about it yourself. Do you really see Him that way? That you can trust Him with every part of your life and however He may direct you and with whatever may be going on in your life at any given time? Is that the way you see Him? If not, maybe you just need to come down and have a little talk with Him before you go home. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for caring about us the way that You do. And I'd have to be the first one up here to admit that I don't always handle situations the way that I should. My flesh is weak. But Lord, I want to love you the way that I should. And I certainly want to trust you through all things that we might go through. So help us, God. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Give us a lot of grace because we definitely need that. Grace upon grace and then some more of that. And then, Lord, just trust a trust in Your Word. There's so many areas in our life that we need to just put in trust of Your Word. The young people that are in here right now, Lord, that they would learn to, to, to read and obey what You have to say because You know best for their life. And the middle-aged folks that are in here raising children, Lord, that they would just be uh, subject to Your Word also. And if the Bible says it, that's the way they're going to handle things. To do things Your way, because You know what's best. And us that are getting on up in the years, Lord, can kind of see the horizon. I pray that we'd be faithful to the end and continue to try to love You the way we're supposed to love You and trust Your Word no matter what goes on in our heart and life, no matter what goes on in our nation. Lord, to trust You.